0: Welcome to Public Power Underground, Northwest Public Power's premier weekly infotainment program that covers Northwest Public Power and public power adjacent news. Our series began as an awkward forced fun time for the power department 49 weeks ago when we altered our work arrangements at the start of an ongoing pandemic. It has evolved into a forum to chat with public power professionals about niche topics that are entertaining to an extremely small group of electric utility enthusiasts. And if you're listening to this, that means you. On today's show, we'll get an update on Northwest Power Markets on Aaron Reports, get a guest interview by EWEB's Matt Stratnick of Bo Downen, who compares Representative Simpson's proposal to Guns N' Roses' Use Your Illusion double album, talk to PNGC's Greg Mendonça about their perspective on the Northwest Power Pool's uh, resource adequacy program, and cover a few other public power and public power-adjacent news topics. I'm your host, the voice of the underground, Brian Fawcett. Today... We welcome a special guest co-host, guest co-host, the publisher of Wire to Wire, PPC's Karen Heim. Hello, Karen. Welcome back.
1: Hello, Brian. Thank you. I started at Public Power Underground and just like upping my game. Co-host. Put yeah, it on I mean, the CV.
0: You're kind of replacing Erin today. And let's just say it. She said a, a low bar. I'm only saying <laughs> that because yeah.
1: She promised me some
0: Tesla supercharger miles, and so I needed to get a shot in, and I hope she listens to this. Well, she better
1: listen to it.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: But I'm glad to be here.
0: We are glad to have you. Thank you. Uh, Our other co-star of Public Power Underground, the coding wizard of R and Python, our resident Genesis apprentices, a Reddit user, Banjalele Virtuoso, trained linguist, Apparently I'm not a linguist, a dark age of Camelot mending healer and current power analyst, Ian, the neural network Bledsoe. Thanks for being here, Ian. Thanks,
2: Brian. And thanks for that amazing intro, but small correction. I am a, a mending pacification healer.
0: Okay. And we will get that in the next bit, along with another nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Your bio is gold, by the way, Providing <laughs> material for this. <laughs> 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 lastly the artistic director of public power underground and manager of the power department paul
3: dockery great to be back uh beau was a little disappointed i think in my artistic directorship of his you know video um but i will say i sent him nba desktop uh which is the inspiration for the aesthetic of this don't high, hold us to that high of a standard that is awesome they are professionals we're amateurs but we try all right. Have you, have you been watching NBA desktop, Brian? Have you watched any NBA desktop yet, Brian? Like I said, I, I
0: listened to most of the podcasts, so no, I have not. I've been too busy doing other work stuff.
3: That's, that's, that's probably better. <laughs> that's
0: a <good> answer. <laughs> it's <laughs> a good answer. allowed, I guess. <laughs> I'll probably get some NBA desktop in uh, next week. Uh, so Aaron is on vacation this week and I was, I was going to keep taking shots at her, but now I feel bad. So, um, Ian's going to have to try to replace uh, Aaron in in our first segment covering power market indicators in the Northwest. Um, So without Aaron, we have Aaron Reports. Ian, what do you have?
2: Thank you very much, Brian. This is Aaron Reports without Aaron, where we try and get up to speed on Northwest market indicators for February 25th, 2021. I'm Ian Bledsoe, and I've got your market update for the week. April through September flows at the Dalles are expected to be at 99% of normal, unchanged from last week. Outflow at the Dalles peaked over the past week at 290 KCFS on February 19th at 1800 hours. Midday elevation at Grand Coulee ended the day on February 24th at 1276, up a foot since last reported last week as outflows dropped from a peak of 194 KCFS on February 18th at 1800 hours to peak outflow of 139 KCFS on February 24th at 0800 hours. Checking on snow in the region using Anserge's aggregation of basin data the snow water equivalent for BC hydro generation basin is at 121% of normal. For mid c 115%, and aggregating all snow in the Columbia River basin that'll flow through Bonneville Dam, they estimate there's 109% of normal snow blanket. Spot market power in the Northwest for delivery February 25th is at 1975, with gas at 268 per mmBTO, translating to a spark spread of $1 and a heat rate of 7,200. In term markets, balance a month for mid-sea has fallen to 22.75 dollars per megawatt hour, a $31 per megawatt hour drop since last week. Mid-sea power for Q3 2021 is at $5,771, with Sumas gas at 282, dollars translating to a heat rate of 20460 Spending two beats at Bonneville's balancing authority this week. Peak load last week was at 8500 on February 24th at 7.40 a.m. during... During loads peak, hydrogen was at 11,480 megawatts, wind gen at 560 megawatts, conventional units at 7026, and nuclear was at 1160. And so, year 2020 closed the November-December-January period in a strong La Niña territory, a negative 1.2 oceanic Niño index. The SST consolidated Niño forecast indicates that we're likely to remain in La Niña through spring 2021. This week in NOAA climate forecast, the six to 10 day outlook has temp in the region with 40% chance of being below normal, while precip uh, looks to be in the normal range. Some likelihood of below average temperature in the region stays in their outlook through the 90 day report. We'll check back in on bond issuances when Aaron returns. So that's all we got. The update.
3: Well done, Ian. I think that was a really good read through. I'm really proud of you. Good job. I think Aaron will be proud of you too. Yep. We just might have to speed that up one and a quarter in
0: post to match the speed a little bit.
3: <laughs> um, so last week we had Mike Griswold on to talk about where what to expect this week in term markets. And um, it seems like he was, he predicted correctly that the balance of month prices would crash this week and come back to normal. So uh, that was great. It was great insight and turned out to be true to stay here for a, a, just a little bit longer. I'm really hopeful about the snow. Um, it seems like we've got good snow blankets. We're um, probably to the point where, no matter what happens in the next couple of weeks, we're going to end up at least in a decent hydro year.
0: Next up is our weekly walkthrough Northwest Public Power and Public Power Adjacent News in a segment we like to call Public Power Desktop. Karen, you're up first.
1: All right. Uh, Representative Simpson's energy and salmon concept with the ambitious goal of ending the salmon wars is a topic of interest for public power customers in the Northwest and is likely to be a point of discussion for quite some time. EWEB's Matt Schretnig has agreed to be Public Power Underground's, Underground's special salmon war correspondent to interview celebrities from the region with their thoughts on the proposal. This week, Matt interviewed the Nor- uh, Northwest Power and Conservation Council's vice chair and former uh, fish and wildlife guru of the Public Power Council, Bo Downen.
4: Bo, welcome to Public Power Underground. Excited to have you. Um, I'm apparently the uh, special Salmon War correspondent of the day, uh, Matt Shretnick. Um, it's great to see you after so long. I'm just disappointed I'm not going to get to see the fancy socks. Uh, kind of missed those from the PPC meeting. Um, but uh, it's a pleasure to see you. How you doing?
5: Matt, it's great to see you. And, and uh, thanks for the compliment on the socks. I'm still trying to rock a little something colorful. Uh, especially in that these... Flying
4: uh, fly Montana? Uh,
5: hey occasionally uh but it's it's a real treat to be on public power underground i hear this is the number one podcast among public power uh, aficionados in the country really so and the biggest, edgiest from what this i hear is the edgiest and biggest appearance i've ever ever had so thank you for having me uh,
4: that may be true of me as well um and uh, let's not dwell on that too long um you're uh dude, you're a council member. Um, first of all, that is awesome. Um, not just that, you're vice chair, uh, both of which are a huge honor. Uh, I'm not ashamed to admit I'm more than a little bit jealous. Um, so for the, uh, for the dozens of our listeners, uh, could you please tell me how excited you are to work with Doug again?
2: Hey,
5: being on the council has been a, a total kick, uh, a great opportunity for me. And I've just really enjoyed the, the year and a half that I've been here it, like you said, uh, will be joined or just was recently joined on the council by also a public power alumnus, Doug Grob, who was a board member at Flathead Electric for 20 years and really knows his way in and out of all these issues that the council works on. And so we're really lucky to have him, as, especially as by uh, this spring, after our legislative session, I'll be, I'll be rolling off the council vice chair
4: or otherwise.
5: But it's been a real a real treat.
4: That is fantastic and uh doug we'd like to welcome you as well um look forward to having you on in the near not too distant future um now bo i'd ask you uh to join me today thank you again for doing so uh hoping you'd help me digest uh some of the many components of uh representative simpson's uh proposal to end the salmon wars as we mentioned earlier a proposal that's likely to be a uh, if not be focus of discussion in the northwest for the foreseeable future um in addition to a catchy title um, I think it's safe to say the proposal is ambitious. Um, now, uh, given your background and uh, what I would characterize as an unparalleled comprehension of the lay of the land, um, what are you seeing on the easternmost part of the basin in regards to the proposal?
5: Well, that's a that's a great question, and and you're exactly right. The I think the word that everybody has used to describe this thing is ambitious. It's a it's a great big. I, th- I think it was the governor of Idaho that called it the great big. Goal or or some some terminology and and uh, so it's it's good to see that ambitious effort in the region. I think um, I I would say this thing is really I I the more I thought about it, the more I started oddly comparing it to the 1991 release of Guns and Roses "Use Your Illusion," a double album. Uh, you can tell what generation I'm in by making that kind of a fundamental album in my my music development, but it was a, it was a really highly anticipated album. I mean, people knew about it a year in advance, just like we knew about this proposal now for gosh, about two. I sat in on a briefing that was related to this proposal, uh, at least 18 months ago. Uh, so it's been, it's been really highly anticipated. It's been greatly discussed. There's been leaks throughout about what's really in this thing. Just like, uh, the Use Your Illusion double album had a, a number of leaks early on before the whole album was released. And, and uh, you know, this thing is akin to the, the salmon effort a little bit in my mind, like uh, that, that album to stay with, with the uh, Guns N' Roses reference because it was a real turning point in the band, just like this could be a turning point um, from a, really a kind of an aggressive combative type of sound that uh, GNR had had in their previous two albums to something that was maybe a little more inclusive with not just the metal, but blues, rock, classical, punk, and kind of brought a bunch of different things together. And there was something for everybody in it, just like in this proposal. I think Congressman Simpson has tried to put a little something for everybody in here, from power interests to ag, to the shippers, to a lot of, of the folks that are, are long time, um, environmental advocates, uh, right down to any sort of industry that you can think of in the Northwest that's impacted by the well, really the crux of this whole proposal, which is removal of the four lower snake river dams. And so, um, that's my best attempt at, at helping those of you who are, rock and roll fans specifically axel and slash better comprehend what's really going on with this by by saying this is one big messy double album with uh a lot in it that's gonna some of it's gonna be really enjoyed by the critics and some of it's gonna be be really kind of uh scene as is, is too much of a departure from the sound that we've gotten used to and and you know it could it could fall flat but um you know I think I think it's the jury is out that we have begun seeing um uh, some some feedback across the region.
4: Yeah. Uh I, I I think it's safe to say that this is definitely the hottest take um to date. <laughs> um and certainly a unique one. I love it. Um I gotta ask though, uh, one or two which was better
5: the way i saw it was they it was a double album that had to be listened to all together but i'd take two for
4: sure yeah i'm i'm with you there If pushed um, if pushed it did it pushed uh knocking on heaven's door uh easily the best cover we'll uh and we'll leave it there um the uh that i i'm gonna have to process that one for a few minutes but i apologize um the, Sorry uh, for throwing mic. you a
5: curveball. I just I no, was looking for a, uh, a a unique take on this thing because I'm sure that in the meetings that you've sat through uh, now for a while, you you've heard kind of a, the pretty much the basics of what's in this thing, and and uh, yeah. your audience probably has too. So I thought I'd throw an overhand curveball at them and and see what they thought of that. But uh, to answer your other question about it, um, on the east side over here you know, we're, we are at the edge of the system. And, and so uh, as this proposal is really known as the the effort to end the salmon wars and, and salmon is the, the real, the real big issue here. Uh, We don't have any anadromous fish in Montana. We don't have any salmon coming up this far. Uh, We do have our own our own endangered species stocks or listed species, and uh, a couple, couple different, including bull trout and sturgeon up this way, but um, but I think that that does beg a question that will have to be considered by people up up this far in the basin is is uh, you know the the what's in it for me? Obviously, the seven utilities in in western Montana that buy power from Bonneville have a real vested interest in in what goes on with this thing. Uh, and do a number of the grain growers that get their, their grain out to the coast by, by getting it to Lewiston Clarkston and then down the river on, on barges. But, uh, for the, for the most part, you're, you're not seeing the media in Montana that you you're most likely seeing down out of, uh, you know portland seattle i-5 corridor yep. places places where uh salmon are a lot closer to the the hearts of of a lot of the folks in in that part of the region
4: absolutely um thank you for that uh and you know uh just uh, going back for a second a unique take was the goal i think it's safe to say you accomplished your goal sir um uh one of the questions i was hoping to ask you is uh uh 33.5 billion, a lot of people are, are um, kind of in awe at the amount, you know, talking about how much money this is. Um, and if I'm being honest, that was my initial reaction as well. And then I started going through the proposal a little bit and actually taking stock of the number of stakeholders and uh, constituents and, and issues that they're, um, that Representative Simpson and Lindsey Slater are attempting to address. Um, and I I don't know if it's enough now I don't think it's enough. I'm curious if you have any takes there, if, uh, if, you, if you have an opinion you'd be willing to share.
5: I, I think that's, uh, those are great questions because I, I was with you. It looked like a staggering number at first, but then when picking through the, the proposal and seeing the earmarks for each individual thing, I started thinking, wow, that seems awfully low for even say the breaching section. Um, yeah that is associated within also power placement, et cetera. And, um, you know, 33 and dollars, even, even Congressman Simpson said that was the minimum. Um, and so a big number for, for most folks around this country, but, uh, as to borrow from us Senator Everett Dirksen from Illinois, you know, a billion here, a billion there, and now we're talking real money, but, uh, I guess maybe if you get 33 that's real money but you guys got a couple of folks a couple of guys uh, in Seattle that could play poker on a Thursday night and lose that much and uh, and they'd still have 100 billion or 150 billion in their pocket without much to worry about so I guess it's all it's all kind of relative but you're right it's a it's a staggering number and and uh, and even as it is I'm I look at it and I'm not so sure that it can truly make all the interests whole that the, the proposal is, is set out to do.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's a fantastic problem to have being able to lose 33 billion and not have to worry about it, but, um, <laughs> cannot say I'm there. Um, so, uh, closing out here, uh, obviously wanted to say thank you a few more times, which I will, but, um, you know, what are you, what are your priorities uh, for 2021? And how can uh, those of us in, uh, in Oregon and Washington and way down river uh, be of assistance?
5: Well, I'd just say as, as a member of the council for at least the time being, um, I would ask that public power pay really close attention to not just the fish issues around this proposal, as well as the Columbia basin collaborative and ensure that, that your voices get involved in both of those efforts as I know they will, but also make sure that you're following the uh, the council's power plan, which will be coming out in draft uh, in July is the anticipated date. And uh, I know that that too, you've all been following, but please make sure that you take a close look because we're seeing some different things in this power plan than the council's seen before in previous power plans. And we want to make sure that the regional experts from public power are, are taking the time to weigh in.
4: Well said, my friend. Well said. Um, so Bo, uh, I think you, you probably know this, but just so everyone else is aware, um, you're really important. Uh, you're a very important person in the region. Uh, you've got a great deal of influence. Uh, so in addition to offering uh, an embarrassingly effusive amount of thanks uh, for the opportunity to chat with you today and for you joining joining us here on Public Power Underground, I wanna thank you for your engagement with, uh, subscription to, uh, and enthusiastic shilling on behalf of Public Power Underground going forward. Um, And with that, uh, I think we'll toss it back to Paul for sports.
5: Hey, thanks so much, Matt. Thanks, Paul. And thanks to Public Power Underground. This, again, best program I've ever been on.
2: (laughs) Last week's extreme and prolonged winter weather caused energy system disruptions across the Midwest and South Central states. The power disruptions are only one consequence of the catastrophe. Texas is a customer choice state where residential customers can select their electric service provider. The deregulation of the electric sector has allowed companies like Gritty to provide electric service to retail customers at wholesale energy prices in addition to fixed fees. In average times, it might provide some average savings, but the cold weather event was an outlier and resulted in skyrocketing retail bills for minuscule amounts of energy. In a well-timed piece, the Wall Street Journal published an analysis comparing the savings for customers served by traditional utilities rather than a retail power companies since 2004. The journal's conclusion was that Texans electric bills were $28 higher under deregulation. Note, the recent energy crisis was not in the data set they used for their analysis. The article notes that the Texas Coalition for Affordable Power produced similar findings in a study of the state's power markets. For more, check for the article in the Wall Street Journal and check out Gritty.
3: Gritty is wild.
2: I, I wanted to let you uh, make that utterance of possible libel and/or slander.
3: Okay, maybe <laughs> maybe I'll cut it out. Who is gritty? Uh.
2: <laughs> so one interesting thing about you know talking about uh, gritty providing service at uh, wholesale rates the rate of like nine thousand dollars per kil- or sorry nine dollars per kilowatt hour or nine thousand per megawatt hour that was actually not a market set rate the Texas PUC set the market price to that
3: right it's the price cap and they pushed it to the price cap to try to motivate whatever generation could get online to get online
2: and so, not surprisingly, that's uh, there's lots of lawsuits against the Texas PUC, against Gritty, against uh, ERCOT. It sounds like some of those are wrongful death lawsuits because people lost their lives. Crazy. Yeah, the,
3: uh, there's lots of stories about this. Um, the articles that talk about gritty customers getting just like ten thousand dollar bills uh they're, you know really good reads uh, to understand what you know, gritty is did um and in average times it makes a lot of sense you can whole on average wholesale prices would probably be lower than retail prices you could get from investor-owned utilities but man this is not a good time to be a gritty customer
1: i like how they told people that they should think about switching providers like two days before the storm came. And then the people tried to do it and they were like, it's not possible to switch my provider right now. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, But on this Wall Street Journal article, um, I I don't know, you do have to like come up with a counterfactual of what their bills would have been had they been under a traditional utility. So I don't know that the conclusion is necessarily that traditional utilities provide lower cost energy. It's just in the regions where there are these uh, power cho- uh, customer choice uh, utilities and that people have selected them, they have been higher. So there is a difference in counterfactual there that I think you should we should be sensitive to, um, because you know you you can't really know what resources are included in the utilities, um, you know, historic portfolio that just isn't available to these other customers it's not
2: it's not a very good metric the 28 billion total is like not per capita not per month like for all i know 28 billion is that 10 dollars monthly fee multiplied by the number of customers multiplied by the number of months in the study right
3: yeah i mean it isn't because you read the article so you know that's not what they did but um it does make a good headline i mean it is a really good headline <laughs> Um, And I'm not logged into our subscription. So I can't go to the full article, but uh, you know, if you want, um, if you want good coverage on this, you can probably have some guest subscription, Uh, but they do. I mean, they use EIA data. It's the same data. We report the same data. A lot of people report everybody, all utilities report to the EIA. And that's how they came up with the 28 billion. It did not include, and I think it was highlighted in the lead. I want to highlight it again. It did not include this event. So um, this is, this is just, from what was it, 2004 to 2019? Is that right, Ian? Um, it sounds right. It sounds right. <laughs> is that what was in the lead?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think it was in the lead. Oh, okay. Well, Since it's it's a... 2004 is what
3: is... It, it's what's in here. It was it was through 2019. I remember it. Okay. Where am I going next? All right. Moving
0: on, uh, BPA hosted its first QBR technical workshop for fiscal year 2021 on February 23rd. Power operating revenues were revisited. Trading floor sales from higher than expected prices were cited as a primary driver for Q- Q1 forecast being 130 million above rate case. Transmission revenues were down by about 14.5 million due to non renewals of PT and fiber contracts. The hot topic for the day was the review of the mismatch between rate case and actuals and treatment of components of power business unit non-federal interest expense. As BPA reviewed the variance, the, the accountants in the audience got a little excited. The change will be to record interest expense on the income statement, regardless of how it is paid, rather than netting bond proceeds issued to pay for non-federal bond premiums against related interest expense. To the point, interest expense was 70 million higher than rate case due to this adjustment offset by lower federal interest expense. No impact to transmission and BPA will use the previously vacant non-cash expense line in the slice true-ups minimum required net revenues calculation to ensure slice customers don't pay a share of higher interest and treasury payment. Agency reserves are at 91 days cash on hand and include impacts of both the interest expense adjustment and the $80 million debt reduction payment from the transmission RDC triggered with other non cash adjustments due to depreciation, amortization, accretion method changes. The next QBR will be in May 2021. Whew. That was
3: a great lead, Aaron. I loved
0: it. <laughs> that was perfect.
6: <laughs>
3: Aaron's I still contributing. Nice I
0: said about Aaron.
3: Still contributing, even when she's on vacation, she wrote this before she went on vacation. So perfect I was Aaron. Well aware that
2: this would be a lead that Aaron would read if she were here.
3: <laughs> I- I'm thinking maybe I'm gonna have like Aaron re- write these re- leads and then have Brian read them just from now on. <laughs>
0: I'm, I was so anxious coming into this. I feel like a huge weight just lifted off my shoulders now. Like I, you
1: made I, it through it. Good job. Yeah,
0: it may not have been the best, but uh, it's done. We'll, we'll say I, that. I feel like
2: Ryan should get like continuing education CBA credits for, just for reading that.
0: I could, I, I could like see the excitement in Aaron's eyes as I was reading it. <laughs>
3: In Aaron's eyes or Karen's eyes? I don't know. Aaron's
0: eyes.
1: (laughs) I mean, I was also very excited that he was (laughs) reading it and doing such a great job.
3: (laughs) I don't know about that. so i like brian's on vacation next week karen you've already agreed to come back i think maybe you'll be reading these type of leads next week i'm very excited we're gonna have to see what aaron can do for you
1: oh good i look forward to that (laughs) i hope you
3: felt that weight just
0: sit on your shoulders (laughs) just Just like down here a little bit (laughs) Uh uh-huh you just (laughs) sunk
3: (laughs) okay who's, who's next
1: i'm up next Yeah, okay. Uh, The extreme winter storm last week downed thousands of power lines and poles across the region and hit PGE particularly hard. PGE reported that it has restored about 700,000 power outages for more than 421,000 customers as of Wednesday. That weird stat is the outcome of customers experiencing multiple outages during the last 11 days. Uh, Northwest utilities banded together to restore power and help each other out. Mutual aid agreements were called upon to call on crews to provide repairs. To get restoration updates, you can follow PGE on Twitter, at Portland General, or reference their storm info page, which provides a crew count and outage updates.
3: So Clatskanie IPUD did send some crews. Uh, actually, probably that's incorrectly worded. We sent a few line workers. I don't know that we sent a full crew. Full uh, crew. Is that right, Brian? You're not. your head. I think we head. sent
0: one crew and kept kept one here for anything yeah. that may have happened here.
3: That yep. was my understanding, yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, I'm looking at the stats now. They still have 2,000 customers out of service, um, out of power. Karen, are you in PGU service territory? And were you? I am not. Power?
1: I'm actually. I'm in a uh, Pac territory. I'm the oh. little slice of yeah. I'm the little slice of Portland that is uh, Pacific. Yeah.
3: Did you experience any outage? Outages? I did.
1: We lost power for nine hours, which, when you have a one-year-old, is an adventure so
6: yeah
0: now, but we survived get...
1: we were just about to head to a different location that had power and our power kicked back on so it was perfect timing
3: that's awesome did you get out candles did your one-year-old get yeah. to uh, light candles and run around with flashlights
1: uh no we actually still have the lantern right here so <laughs> <laughs> we have not put it away yet uh and we were reading by lantern light until it got light uh, I won't go into anything about, uh, daylight savings time yet at all. We can save that for another week, but, uh, it luckily she slept in that day. So it was only about an hour before the sun came up. So
3: nice. Yeah.
1: We were you guys, how country. are you guys up, up there?
3: We were so lucky. Uh, just knock on so- wood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, we were so lucky. Um, we didn't have any, that we didn't get the ice. We didn't didn't
1: lose power until we until it was the ice storm. Like the snow was pretty to look at, and otherwise we were fine. Yeah, yeah, yep.
2: I've heard uh, that people are also similar to Texas. They're calling into like an investigation into how the outage could be so bad, and you know, et cetera, et cetera, and that it should never happen again. And I feel like it's the consequence of living in a world with weather. Yeah, Parting only makes it go so
3: far, you know.
0: We could underground everything like Paul suggested last week. People's bills might triple. I, I don't know.
3: That's yeah, it's fun. really it's one of those like weird hypothetical questions or counterfactual like um, what in these times, how much more would you pay in order to have service is like really interesting. And if you asked during the outage, you probably got a different answer than if you were to ask the same question during normal times. And, yeah. uh, interestingly, rate hearings generally don't happen during power outages. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, then, and
3: then, interestingly.
2: Once you ask yourself how much more you're willing to pay, you have to compare that to the price of buying your own personal generator.
3: Right. Really right.
2: Not during powder outages, of course. <laughs>
3: <laughs> awesome. What's up next?
2: Uh, last Friday, the Northwest Power and Conservation Council held a system integration forum, SIF, on diversity, equity, and inclusion. DEI in power planning, and specifically the council's 2021 power plan. It's a difficult and sensitive topic, but one of the things I heard that resonated strongly, possibly because of the Texas power outages, was that it's vitally important to accurately quantify reliability and resiliency in power planning, because when the power goes out, some groups of people are impacted more than others. For more information, see the slides and videos available from the webinar at northwestcouncil.org.
0: Public Power Underground has discussed the Northwest Power Pool's resource adequacy program with EWEB's Susan Ackerman and BPA's Rachel Dibble. This week, we get the load following customers' perspective on the program from PNGC's Vice President of Power Supply,
3: Greg Mendoza.
7: Hey, Greg! Welcome to Public Power Underground. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation.
3: Am I supposed to keep my hand up? I, I do support like pressuring Bonneville. So, should I keep my yes. hands up the whole time, or?
7: Yeah, I'm, go- I'm going to be testing and I expect your editing skills to be really good. Cause I'm going to have like the big three. I expect to be like here, 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 okay. and then the put the hand up thing here. And every time I touch it, I want to see a line go through, okay. just make sure I'm sticking to my talking points. Yeah.
3: I love it. I love it. you want bullets <laughs> in that? Or do you just want like bold outlined? What's your preference here?
7: Yeah, any any sort of animated PowerPoint type of thing, I'm I'm into that. The the fade in, the fade out, I love okay. it. Okay.
3: Okay. We'll try to get you some animations. It'll be wonderful. Um you know what's ultimately gonna happen is I'm gonna have a notepad. I'm just gonna bring yeah. up a notepad. Yeah, it's gonna be super low tech. Uh, <laughs> how are you coping with the remote work and all the professional isolation? You're in a closet, maybe it looks like.
7: Yeah, I'm in, I'm in our upstairs office. Uh, I actually had to move up into my wife's space uh, to have, to have the quiet zone. I'm in the, I'm in the crazy zone where uh, we're just open living room area and um, any meeting I'm in, I always warn people that I'm going to have interruptions from my, from my work or, you know, stay at home kids from school. So it's been crazy. Uh, But luckily, we're pretty resilient. We've been making it through and uh, we're I'm I'm very hopeful that in the near future, maybe this year, uh, I'll be able to actually go venture outside and that'll be fun.
3: Yeah, that'll be wonderful. It has taken a lot of resiliency to kind of cope through all this. So uh, good for you being resilient and managing having kids at home. Not easy. (laughs) Uh, I just wanted to have a conversation with you. Um, I feel like we can have uh, maybe a little bit informal discussion. We had Rachel Dibble on to talk about the Northwest uh, Power Pools Resource Adequacy Program, along with Susan Ackerman, got some of their perspective. I'd love to have the load following customers take. Um, I I, under, I mean, I, I, I suppose you can speak for all of them, but if, you, you know, if you're only willing to speak for PNGC, I, I will <laughs> accept that as a position.
7: Yeah, no, well, I'll I'll definitely speak for uh, for PNGC, but but we are load following customer, um, and I think you've heard us ask some some uh, some tougher questions of VPA in, in some forums, and so we are we are uh, unique because the the um, the aspects of the load of the resource adequacy program that we love uh, more reliable system, possibly. Uh, Reduction of planning reserve margin, so more efficient capital in the region, uh, maybe potentially uh, fewer price spikes, um, things things like that that provide a more reliable system. We're very much in favor of. Um, we think it's a good part of of maybe a bigger um, a bigger solution. Uh, maybe that's an RTO ISO. Uh, <laughs> got it. Thank like you for that visual
3: cue. I got it.
7: Exactly. Uh, but uh, but but I think the, the aspects of the program we really like are, are well laid out. But some of the some of the ways that it interacts with the Bonneville um, customers is, are, are unique. So you're you're a slice customer. Right. You have one uh, view of it. And I think that having a, a voluntary status uh, to participate as a slice customer kind of makes sense. And, and I could see how that would be important to assess that as a load following customer, we're, we're a load serving entity. Um, so technically we we thought we were going to have some optionality and some choice in it, but Bonneville did come out and say, well, we, we think it's important to have this at the load serving entity level for the point of regulation. Uh, but for our load following customers, Bonneville is the load serving entity, which was confusing. Yeah, that's um,
3: interesting. I wasn't, I was expecting it to be uh, a little bit more back and forth. It, it seemed like they were hedging when they first talked about that, but it, have they gotten more entrenched in that positioning? Do you think?
7: I, I think we've had a follow up discussion with them and and really shared our thoughts. Um, they've shared their thoughts, and and I think don't get me wrong. If Bonneville can provide a service and we know exactly what that service will look like and it's cost effective um, compared to any alternatives that we may we may be able to go out and get, I think we'd sign up for it. Um, but but the issue is that the the one thing that we're a little bit concerned about is it seems like it's going to become a monopoly service, meaning we don't necessarily have choice. And then if you're under a monopoly service, what you really want to make sure is you have some ability to either control that price signal to you, um, whether that's costs or what benefits flow through, or if things get out of whack, you have some ability to get out and say, all right, I, here's your offering, but you have to provide me some ability for an alternative choice. Um, I don't think BPA is going to be necessarily beat by, by anybody. I don't have an, any ideas there. But, you know, in my view, um, preserving optionality is important. Preserving flexibility is important.
3: So as I've heard Bonneville articulate this, you know, it's, it's their view that they have this obligation already and maybe they can provide this service more efficiently um with with by participating in it so are you thinking Mm -hmm. that what you want for the optionality is bonneville could like have you know they provide you at cost service and you want the optionality oh if a market if if there is an access to market that i would have some optionality to go to the market for a similar capacity service is that what i'm hearing you say
7: yeah, I think as long as there is uh, some recognition that you're not locked into to whatever Bonneville provides, um, and there's an ability to to find um, something that that could be an alternative to meet that, because again, I, I don't I don't have a sense in the coming years Bonneville is going to provide load falling customers a you know a ten million dollar invoice and say you owe us now uh, we met your load. I don't think that's going to happen. That, that would be that would be a bad outcome, and I think they get a lot of fight on that. But I I do see this program altering how we view something like post 2028, and and how Bonneville's Bonneville interacts with this program, and how they allocate and how they decide how it works today will will influence how we think it's going to work in the next contract. And I think in that vein, you know we're we want to make sure that that basically bonneville is is getting to a point where they can be the provider of choice and they can be everybody's first choice for post 2028 contracts and uh, taking monopoly services and, and taking away choice i don't i don't think that's really where customers want to go in the future i think to the extent they could recognize that flexibility and choice might be something they have to integrate into future contracts now is is a good lesson and, and something they should probably work out.
3: And that kind of choice is around um, the service components you would elect to take or around uh, the provider uh, of that service? What do you, where are you thinking about post-2028? Is it both?
7: Yeah, that, that's a good question. So our contracts now as load following are really just energy-based. There's no... There's no capacity component. We're not allocated any capacity and we're also not expected to bring any capacity. Um, I've had lots of discussions with with developers where they're a little bit confused when I say through 2028, there is essentially no value to capacity to us because we're incentivized to bring a flat block of energy and Bonneville does the rest. Um, So looking ahead, I, I, I wonder what a BPA contract looks like in an RA world where they might not be long all the time. Um, And they might be short. And what is the cost of the capacity that BPA prices to their customers versus what can you get it on the market? That's the kind of evaluation I think customers will be inclined to make Um, because I don't think the price of energy is going to be the driving factor in post-2028. I think capacity is going to emerge as the big issue.
3: Yeah, I agree with you on, I think the future of our markets is around the capacity needed to serve um, and less around the energy. I think we all kind of see the writing on the wall. Energy is going to be cheap, uh, if not free uh, or negatively priced in a really renewable build out world. So uh, understanding in this post-2028 conversation, the way Bonneville capacity gets valued in the next product and having some understanding of how you can market your capacity if you are subscribed and have some excess, I think is really interesting. I'd love to talk to you more about it. I think we're running out of time though. Are there any more of those bullets you want to hit before I let you go?
7: Uh, yeah, I think, uh, part of the, uh, part of the deal of energy prices going, going down is I thought, of th- I think a lot of people are committing to carbon free future and we are, we are one of those folks. So part of our, part of our big three, uh, committing to a carbon neutral, uh, power supply in 2033 and moving forward, which is, which is honestly fun to plan for and work on. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, I think that's my last one.
3: So what it was, it was RTO. Give me, give me, give me the, the rundown, the RTO RTO, uh, fixing
7: fixing BPA,
3: fixing BPA and and uh, that
7: carbon neutral future. Yeah.
3: Okay. We'll see what kind of graphics I can get you. (laughs) And if I get good graphics, you're going to come back, right?
7: If you get good graphics, I'll, I'll smash that like button on YouTube. No way. That'd be great. Yeah. Are you
3: subscribed? Are you you subscribed?
7: No. So I don't subscribe because I just get the email from you all the time. So it's really, it's really a friend of the
3: underground. You're right here. You're a friend of the underground. Exactly. Okay. Well, thanks for being a friend of the underground. I I love talking to you guys at PNGC. I I really value you guys, your thoughts and your leadership in the region. So um, we're slice your load following. We can be friends. I think that's the lesson I want. I want to take away from this.
7: I couldn't agree more. Thanks again. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Paul.
3: Northwest River Partners' Kurt Miller has agreed to to do a guest lead where he writes the lead, reads the lead, and records the lead. It's a new innovation for public power underground. Take it away, Kurt.
6: Thank you, Paul. NOAA Fisheries released a peer-reviewed study that the impact of climate change and ocean warming on Pacific salmon. NOAA's analysis showed that if the relationship between salmon survival and ocean temperatures remains constant, then Snake River Basin Chinook may be headed towards extinction within 40 years. Key takeaways include, first, warming oceans appear to present a much greater threat to salmon survival than warming rivers under a likely climate change scenario. Second, one of the authors of the study, Dr. Brian Burke said, quote, even if survival in the river was 100%, Snake River salmon are not going to recover if we don't do something about the ocean." End quote. And third, to address this threat, m- much more research needs to be performed to understand what is happening to salmon, their predators, and their prey in the ocean environment. This study is the latest in a line of new research since 2019 that points to climate change and warming oceans as a true fact in salmon decline since the 1970s. Of these findings is that taking a river centric approach to salmon restoration has not been an effective strategy, nor is it likely to be in the future.
3: Thank you. Thanks, Kurt. Can you answer one clarifying question for me? It sounds like one of the analysis was that it's the ocean conditions at the stage at which they are most vulnerable. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah,
6: I I think um, to try to briefly answer that. They looked, uh, NOAA looked at uh, what climate change would mean to both the rivers and to the oceans and by well over, I think, a five to one margin um, the NOAA said that it's the oceans where uh, the damage is really going to be done and what would really potentially drive the extinction possibility. So it's definitely uh, an ocean issue that we need to be ready to address.
3: So it's more like because you've said before, and I really agree with you. It's it's this discussion does take nuance, but we do have to be able to summarize it um, at what I would say maybe kindergarten levels so that people can understand it. So um, it is and, and taking into effect all of the different characteristics where climate change will have the most impact will be in the ocean. Is am I? I, I want right, to summarize yeah. it right. Salmon, okay, yeah. it's not just that's that. that salmon, that's the most where they're most vulnerable it's we've taken if you take into effect all of the different ways that they're changing their vulnerabilities in the ocean is where climate change will have the greatest effect for salmon. yeah, absolutely um
6: the, yeah the, the um, there is a real question about what's going on in the ocean a lot more work needs to be done there but uh but definitely noah is saying that where climate change is going to do the most harm uh is definitely in the ocean to the point that Uh, uh, focusing on the rivers is not going to save salmon.
3: Perfect. Thank you, Kurt. Thanks for taking the lead for us. And we're going to have you back. Hope you hope you're willing to come back.
6: Okay.
0: I'm ready to take the belt. Thanks so much. Wave. Wave. Okay. That's all the news we're covering this week. Send us any news, jobs, questions, opinions, or corrections to Paul on Twitter at a power manager, a lot more content on there, but recently, by the way, good stuff. Or if you're a friend of the underground, send any of us a note. Any corrections from Paul last week?
3: Glad you asked, Brian. I have discovered that uh, pre-funking is what I would refer to as pre-gaming. Um, so I've learned something. I think, I hope y'all have learned something too. Um, I don't know that pre-funking is that widely used. Um, I also don't know how widely used pre-gaming is. I've heard both. And yeah, I,
1: I'm just surprised you didn't know that they meant the same thing.
3: Yeah. I learned this.
1: <laughs> I learned this. <laughs> Learning new things that. every day.
3: Yeah, no. And 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 like during it, I thought I heard pre-funk. During the, when I was editing, I was like, did he say pre-fun?
1: Because
3: pre-fun maybe makes more sense for what he's talking about. And then I Googled and it was, no, it's pre-funk. So we're yeah, it's
1: because about. funk is short for function. And so like the event you're going to is the function. This is <gasps> the pre-function.
0: I, I was gonna, I, I totally agree. I think Pre-funking is more about uh, events and parties, and and folks use that for that sort of
2: thing. And pre-gaming is probably directly part sporting events.
1: Directly to the game that is there in the title. (laughs) But I mean,
2: he was talking about it in the context of a party before the tailgate party. The tailgate party is like the pre-game, and this is like the pre-pre-game.
1: Okay. I mean, if you double up, I don't know where that puts you.
2: (laughs) Well, as a trained linguist, I'm making a note to deeply research
1: the etymology of all of these phrases. All of them. Report back next week. I'm glad I'm going to be here next week so we can learn about this. I was also
0: wondering if pre-funk would be maybe it was more tied to like a music event. No, or function so you opened my eyes a little bit on that
3: yeah um, no it's spelled with a k when i google it maybe that's because i searched with a k though i don't oh. know i just just blowing my mind is it with a c <laughs> or with a k i have no idea now
1: i i feel like it could be either yeah yeah but you can stick with pregame just so that you know you know what we're talking about and okay. and the rest of us will be we know what it is because we were already on board so okay <laughs>
2: Luckily, uh, there exists a Stack Overflow website for language, Paul. So we're going to get this solved. I
3: didn't know there was a linguist Stack Overflow. I love Stack Overflow. Ian and I dedicated Stack Overflow. How many coins or chips or whatever they do on Stack Overflow do you now have, Ian? You have some coins.
2: I'm one. Yeah, I think I've got 13 for asking stupid questions, but... uh... I'm like one away from being able to up and down vote. And I've, I've just run out of stupid questions. So I can never get that coveted 14th coin.
3: I, uh, I never, I always just creeped on there. I think you call it creeping when you just kind of search on the website without actually logging in. I don't have a username on Lurking. Stack Overflow. Lurking. There we go. Um, yep. Ian, you've, you've, you're a certified Stack Overflow user. Maybe that can go <laughs> in your title next week. Uh, remember uh, there that, we right? go i'm Ryan's- gonna have to remember that shoot i gotta do this next week Ugh. are you
1: even taking notes paul
3: <laughs> ian taking my
2: smile is indicating to me that it's gonna make it in there at some point
0: <laughs> <laughs> next week on public power underground <laughs> we're talking about creeping versus lurking and <laughs> well i'm glad we got that figured out so we will be back next week to talk about more than just that um, we'll be talking, you know, public power and public power adjacent news, including a discussion about rates with Snohomish's Brian Booth. I will be on vacation, but luckily, Karen has already agreed to fill in for me. So, um, I'm back. Be a better episode. <laughs> no, no take back seats, Karen.
1: No, I wouldn't even if I could.
0: <laughs> so, uh, to make sure you don't miss an episode, you can sign up for our unintrusive newsletter with links to all the ways. To consume this fascinating content at uh, SubStack uh, publicpowerunderground.substack.com If the, the Friends of the Underground email from Paul was hoisted on you without your knowledge same, same, same. same. <laughs> but you made it this far so you, you must not hate it. Uh, if you made it this far but do hate it and want to be removed as a Friend of the Underground send Paul an email with the subject line "Put litter in its place emoji. You have to be able to find that or you can just type that out. That's an email, put litter in its place emoji as the subject line to Paul Dockery to be removed from the distribution list for the Friends of the Underground. Thanks for tuning in.
3: I did not pre-write the Plug Pass promo this week, so we're doing this live, okay? The presenting sponsor of Public Power Underground is Plug Pass. Plug Pass is an electric vehicle charging program made for and by commuters. There are three main components that I am passionate about when it comes to electric vehicle charging, and you can hear more about that on the fourth roundtable coming up later this afternoon, which is the reason why we had to record this earlier than normal. The three things are electric vehicle charging infrastructure owned by electric utilities. I think that is a critical component, and all of us need to think more about ways that we can provide this service cost-effectively to our customers. The second is charging speed fees. If you haven't heard my rant on charging speed fees, you need to tune into more Public Power Underground content the third is outlets 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 a lot of electric vehicle charging can happen with just an outlet a level two charger is nothing but a payment kiosk with an extension cord I have now successfully practiced for the fourth roadmap uh, or fourth uh, ah I've now successfully practiced for the fourth roundtable that's the word later this afternoon plug pass it's open source plug pass it's just an outlet. Public Power Underground is a pandemic diversion for entertainment purposes. It's written, edited, and produced by the Power Department. The views expressed are our own, and not the official views of Katskin PUD nor of any person or organization affiliated or business with Katskin PUD nor the organization of the guests also appearing in Public Power Underground. Matt Kretnig and Bo Dallin ask that I read a special disclaimer in addition to the standard one. And it reads in, I paraphrase for brevity, the opinions of this show's guests are their own, especially the opinion regarding the relationship or lack thereof between the Justin and Classic and IPUD, end quote. Neither Classic and IPUD nor those appearing on Public Power Underground generate ad revenue from the episode. Make Matt, Mo, Karen, and Kurt feel better about their participation in this week's episode by sending them a note, text, or email with a thumbs up and telling them how much you enjoyed it. Do it for them, do it for us, and do it to make other people people feel valued and appreciated. Public Power Underground for electric utility enthusiasts. Public Power Underground, it's worth to watch.